This is the M6P with your host, Andy Kirby. And Jared Mayo. How are you? I'm good. I am good. How are you, Andy? I'm good. I'm good. Let me, right off the bat, right off the bat, let me ask you. Did you sign up? Did you enter your entry for this comic book shop that is up for grabs? I sure did. Did you? I did. I did. Can you, can you give me, like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's some like comic book shop giveaway outside of Chicago. Is that correct? Yeah, as a guy giving away his comic book shop. He's a lawyer. He owns two comic book shops, and he decided that he could only do one. Uh, his name, it's called Chimera's Comics, and he did a raffle, basically, to give away his comic shop. You write a 500-word essay of what makes a good comic book store, pay $25 to enter, and he should be letting people know any day now who the winner of the coveted comic book store is. Okay, so I went back to that website, and it says, like, the countdown is still 18 days. I think he extended the deadline. And I Mm. think he lowered the price. Did you see this? No. (laughs) No. I think he lowered it. What do you mean, lowered the price? I think he lowered it from $25 to $14.99. Well, he's selling a, a story about it. Are you sure? Yes. I think I'm going to I'm going to check it out now Chimera Comics. We are no longer accepting applications. The Great Comic Shop giveaway is closed to new applicants. Really? Where is that? Where are you finding this? What is happening On here? Chimera'scomics.com/slash/win-comic-book-store. Ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> what was I looking at? Win. I don't know. I'm not really sure why we went this direction with the podcast. Because <laughs> I really was interested in this. No, but I want to know what you're going to do when you get the phone call and he's like, Andy, you've just won a comic book store. I told you this already. This is Here's the plan, Jared. Here's the plan. But you haven't told our, our listeners. You haven't told our listeners. Exactly, exactly. So what is going to happen is that you and I both are going to go up there. And then we're going to take possession of this comic shop. And we're going to run it. And then I'm going to step back. As a silent partner, <laughs> and you are gonna go to town. Oh, Jennifer is so excited. <laughs> is she? Is she right there? Um, no, I told her I, I entered, and she's like, "That's fine, but we're not moving to Chicago." <laughs> so she doesn't think you're gonna win. Well, she's like, "You can just take the stuff and start one here." <laughs> <laughs> take the stuff and start Jennifer. one. I guess that's true. So, what was your topic? I like. I don't want to. I, 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 this just popped into my head as we were starting. So, yes, it was a surprise. But what was your topic? Like, what the whole thing was write an essay about what makes uh, the best comic book shop or a great comic book shop. Um, and it was actually, it didn't even say comic book shop, it was comic book store, which is weird. Like, you would think he would say LCS or something. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, my, my thoughts are very jumbled because I haven't written an essay for <laughs> 10 years <laughs> since. <laughs> So it was kind of like this, I like this, and I think this is good. And I, I just talked about making it a place that needs, I mean, the comic book medium needs to be a place that is bringing 
new faces in and not relying on people that have had a file for the past 30 years. Gotcha. It needs to be a place that is clean, that smells good, that a mom that wants to get something for her son because he just saw Spider-Man Homecoming or Into the Spider-Verse. Like the, the store carries that, but also has this you know limited one in 200 bust from Diamond or, or whatever. You know, something like that. It, 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 it needs to be a place that reaches out into the community, that has different community events and lets the community know that this is a cool place. You want to come to this place. You want to support this place. And I talked a little bit about what I did in my classroom when I taught school and how I tried to, you know, include a variety of different things like teamwork and diversity and responsibility and how I taught those through Spider-Man, Fantastic Four and X-Men and stuff like that and how that's what I would want to do with the shop as well. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. And now that you said that, I don't think I have a chance. Whatever. What did you say? <laughs> you, 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 you're whatever. Very ugly. You what? You, I like what you said. Whatever, man. <laughs> it's not. I'm not a good writer. I want to know what you you had to say. Uh, I I took the whole thing as the comic shop. What makes a comic book shop great is the customer, and um, so this whole world is about being mediocre, and this whole world is about settling into your your space, your spot, and uh, being in these rules that make the world turn, but no one can stand up for what they believe in. I said, we, the comic book reader, the customer, comes in to read about these people who stand up for their values. And then what happens when those values conflict? Because you have the villain who has his values, and you have the hero who has his values, and both of them are standing up for what they believe in, and what happens when they come head to head. And in a world of mediocre and being told to sit down and shut up and just do your job, this is an oasis where we can inspire people to stand up for what they believe in. Wow. Wow. But I didn't talk about, like, the actual comic shop. I kind of sidestepped the whole issue. I just talked about the customers. Well, I think that's pretty important, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I, you know, but like I said. Well, here's what we could do is if we if you win or if I win, really, whichever one of us wins, <laughs> we're going to need the other one's help. Can we agree to that? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Hands down. So whatever we do, we win, we go up there, we take that shop, and we make it just gangbusters for a couple months. And then we've got a couple uh, podcast friends up there that I, could yeah, yeah, sell it off to them. Because <laughs> I know they both applied too. <laughs> right on. Actually, that's who we're actually, you know, obviously going to hire to help run this thing. Well, so John Coughlin works uh, works up in Chicago, and Rick O'Callaghan works up in Chicago. They have been with the Marvelous Box since the beginning. Uh, I've met both of them on many occasions. Where I feel like we're actual friends, you know. <laughs> and I think they would be great. He John is a, a police officer, and Rick does like shipping stuff and. He's strong. So we, so. Got, so we got store security and we have the shipping if we wanted to sell online. That makes sense. And, but And Rick already does. He has an Entertainment Earth account and he sells a lot of action figures and collectibles. So he's already he's down pat. They both live in Chicago. We could run it from afar with them. That's awesome. Yes, this is a plan. As long as Chimera is okay with that. 
Oh, we're not going to tell them. I mean, as soon as we sign the lease, it's ours. Yeah. And I'm sure nobody's listening to this podcast. As soon as we sign the contract, I mean, I mean, <laughs> does Carmelo Chimera does he does he listen to our podcast? I mean, come on. But who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? That's the question. So this is the M6P Marvel Six One Six Politics. We are a comic book podcast. I don't know if you could tell that. Um, you can email us at the m6p at gmail.com. Actually, no, I think that's fake. It's m6ploc <laughs> at gmail.com or marvel616politics at gmail.com. Either way, it'll come to us. We'll get it. Um, you can look us up on Twitter at the m6p. You can visit our website, www.themsxp.com. You can find us on those other social medias as well, like Instagram and YouTube under The M6P. We're also on Facebook under Facebook.com slash The M6P. And if you ever want to be a part of our show, we'd love to hear from you. The question, comment, or concern at 616-755-TINA. And we are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Discount Comic Book Service, the best place on the internet until we run our own store. Uh, until we get the, <laughs> this comic shop, then we're going to have a conflict of interest, obviously. Uh, but it is the best place on the internet to get all your single issue floppies. And uh, you order them two months in advance and you get 40% off discount. DCBService.com. And their sister site, InStockTrades. Right, their sister site, too, InStockTrades.com. You order any, <laughs> anything over $50, you get free shipping. It's fantastic. Yes, it's actually sixty dollars. They oh, have changed oh. it. Oh my goodness! Why even That's mention okay. them then? No, no, because they're wonderful. We love them. <laughs> no, 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 cart... no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cart of items in my InStockTrades.com website and at DCBService.com, and I just have not pulled the trigger yet on either of them. But dude, you I'm sent me to... that when you, when you sent me that link to <laughs> the EarthX Omnibus. I went, oh. I went directly there, and I was like, I gotta, I have to have this. I have to have this. And, like, I put it in the cart and everything. I read all the description, which actually I think is a – it's got the wrong description. It's got just Paradise X description. Um, and I was about to order it, and I was like, I might be moving soon. Like, I don't know if I want to move this <laughs> giant heavy book. To Chicago, you are right. <laughs> So anyway, no, it is great. Discount but, comic book service, DCBService.com, InStockTrades.com. Go there. They're fantastic. That's right. You can click on their specials tab, and it'll tell you everything that they have for 50% off. It's great. And that's what my cart is full of. <laughs> we are also sponsored by Community Retail Partnership, CRPSavings.com. For all of your Office Depot and Office Max needs, check out CRPSavings.com. We're also sponsored by MichaelWebSolutions.com. For all of your SEO needs, check MichaelWebSolutions.com out. And lastly, we're sponsored by ourselves, TheMarvelousBox.com. For $25 a month, you get over $100 worth of graphic novels shipped right to your door. Actually, not a month. It's a quarter. We do this four times a year. I just took a ton of boxes to the post office today. And they always laugh when they see me coming. But we'd love to put your name on one of those boxes. So check out themarvelousbox.com. 
Yeah, you know, every quarter we get more and more subscribers, which is great, but I do feel bad for you because you have to load down your car more and more. (laughs) I've got to start writing off this gas expense. (laughs) You should. You should. Um, (laughs) That's actually true. You should do that on these trips. Um, It's okay. (laughs) Anyway, fantastic. So, Captain Marvel came out on Friday, probably Thursday night, right? Yes, Thursday night. I was there at 7 p.m. <laughs> why is it, if it comes out on Friday, then why do they do an 8 p.m. showing on Thursday? That doesn't make any sense. Well, be, uh, Don't complain. Like It's much better. I remember when they used to do midnight showings, yes. but they didn't have reserved seats. So you'd have to get there at 8 or 9 p.m., stand outside the movie theater because they wouldn't let you in, it wrap around, and you'd have to wait for – it's like, you know – when they do uh, Black Friday deals before the stores open on Thanksgiving Day, you know? <laughs> well, so it could be. These first world problems are just killing me. Oh, it's me. terrible. It's awful. I hate dealing with these things. <laughs> um, so, what did you think? Of Well, see, I went to a new movie theater, so it was a lot different. <laughs> what but, did you uh, think of the movie? <laughs> oh, the movie? Oh, I didn't realize we had switched topics. I were talking about the theater. <laughs> I'm sorry. Throwing you for uh, a loop. I apologize. Yeah, I was in Cleveland for Wizard World, so I went by myself without Jennifer. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was a little weird. But it was a Marvel movie. It was Captain Marvel. And <laughs> it uh, um, it was not my favorite. Wow, okay. <laughs> this is I did not expect this from you. Well, it's because I'm a misogynistic um, anti-feminist, you know, that's why I didn't like it. Wow. That's just white male over here. Wow. No. No. <laughs> no, a lot of people, like, if if anybody so far has said that they had some issues with Captain Marvel, everyone online is like, it's because you hate women or you're a troll. I'm not either of those. I love my wife. I love Tina Turner. I love women. And I just... That was not the Captain Marvel I was hoping for. Oh all, man, like know? I, I fully expected you to really, really love this movie because because you love strong female leads. Um, I'm, I'm blown away. I really thought you would love this one. Well, I had already seen Green Lantern. This was just Green Lantern with a female. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> there just wasn't a whole lot different. <laughs> tell, tell, well, give me some specifics. Okay, so my biggest thing that I did not care for, like, it wasn't the worst. Let me tell you, tell you, it was not the, for me, it was not the worst MCU movie. The worst MCU movie was Iron Man 3. And I don't know how <laughs> you're going to beat it. It was just terrible. That's so funny. That bad. But it wasn't. Uh, Winter Soldier, okay? Yeah. But my biggest issue was Brie Larson. I I could not get... I didn't feel like she was into being Carol Danvers. Her expressions for happy, angry, excited, and surprised were all the same. Just this blank stare of non-expression. Okay, she can, just so, can I ask questions? Blah. As you're, as you're going? <laughs> Well, yeah, but I want to hear what you think about the movie too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but the 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 question I have is is if like the argument against that is well, she didn't know who she was. She was very confused about who she was. 
So do you think that that was her acting that way, or do you think that she was just not that good at acting? Like, do you think that you didn't like the interpretation that she had for the character of her not knowing, trying to figure out who she was, or do you think that she didn't do a good job? Yeah, it definitely wasn't a she didn't know who she was. I, I understand that whole part. It was a, it was just looking into the dead of space. Like, no, you're talking to another person. Like, smile or raise your eyebrows or, you <laughs> so know. Like just deadpan. You didn't want the deadpan. No, it was just so bland from the beginning to the end. She, Even when she left Maria, she's like, you know, I'm really going to miss you, Maria. This is really <laughs> for me. I'm like, is it really? Because Maria, the tough part then, too, was she, you know, she's playing off Maria Rambeau, and Maria was fantastic. She was a fantastic actress. She had tons of expression, and she would get loud, and she'd be quiet, and she used the different cues from the other actors. So I think that by her, her ability to act very well right up against Bree's lack of acting really made it stick out even more, you know? Same with with Nick Fury and Talos and everybody else. Jude Law, like, I thought he did a great job. I, I thought he was on point. But then Bree was just like this stump on a log. Like, come on, give me, give me something. And, you know, did the directors not see this in playback? Were they not on set? How did this, how did all this get through? I just don't get it. Hmm. Interesting. So what about the, what about the story though? What did you think of the story? I thought the story was decent. It was, you know, an, an origin story. Uh, there was going to be a twist, you know, that it was Jan Rog who was actually responsible and he was a villain. He wasn't the good guy. Um, we got some holes filled in for the past with the MCU. We got to see Ronan and Korath come back. Coulson was there. Uh, we got to see uh, a little snippet of a future Monica Rambo might be, uh, you know, Photon or whoever they decide to have her be. So there were there were definitely some good parts, but. There were a lot of bad parts, too. What, that was, was my biggest part was Brie. What was the best part? The best part? Hmm. That's like, a great what are, question. What are some of the specific goods that you have? Some of the specific, like, this was really good, other than uh, the actors that you just said. You said Jude Law. You said the actress that played, uh, is it Maria? Yeah, Maria. Right yeah, on. so we I actually saw it twice because I went back yesterday and saw it with Jennifer because she didn't get to see it with me. So I've seen the movie twice and so I feel like I have a, a fairly, you know, pretty good understanding of the movie. But I think I think Annette oh yeah, Annette Banning too. She was great as the Supreme Intelligence and in Marvel. I loved Annette Banning. She did great. Uh, but then also on the other hand I'm like, that's not Captain Marvel. That's not him. That's a her. <laughs> <laughs> Not, right, you know, hashtag not my Marvel. <laughs> you know, I, that was a little disappointing. I think I was disappointed. While well, I was happy that Ronan was there, I thought there was going to be such this big payoff with Ronan. We were going to see him, like, how did he act before he became the villain in Guardians? We we're going to see him maybe start to turn in this movie. Whereas, really, we saw about 
two minutes and 30 seconds of him the whole movie. He, he was just such a ancillary character. They could have had the whole movie without him at all. Him and Korath didn't really even matter. I thought that the action sequence with her escaping the Skrull ship and then the action sequence at the end when it's just going crazy town, I thought those were great. Those were excellent. When she was, uh, when she had the the gauntlets on her hands and she had to take out all those scrawls. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then that scene with the Kree soldiers against uh, Maria and uh, Nick Fury. I thought that was a lot of fun. There were there were definitely some cool parts. Okay. Alright. Now, what, what are your thoughts on Captain Marvel? Well, I would say that this movie overall is a solid 4.5 for me. So, okay. it, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. I would just say for a Marvel movie, it was very ho-hum. It was very middle of the road, maybe a little bit below average, just because I couldn't follow some of the, some of the action sequences. There was a, it, was, it was tough to see what was going on. But I have old eyes, so... <laughs> old eyes! <laughs> old eyes! Um... <laughs> I thought the acting was okay. I didn't really pick up on what you're talking about, um, which makes me question myself: Was I really even watching the movie? Um, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to make sure my two daughters were good to go and entertained the whole time while we were doing this because there was one that was not necessarily the happiest to be there. So, um, backstory, origin story there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Um, I just thought it was very middle of the road. Now, the the things that I did like about it. Um, I really enjoyed the twist. I didn't care about uh, Annette Benning being Captain Marvel. Like, to me, that wasn't even a twist. Somebody said, oh, I got spoiled. I, I already knew that she was Captain Marvel. I was like, that didn't seem like a twist to me. You know something's up right away. But the twist, <laughs> the twist that the scrolls are the good guys... I have to say, this taught me a lot about myself. I, I must, you know how like, sometimes movies put you into a situation where you're like, I don't know what I would do in that situation, you know? And, but it's a real life situation, so you kind of ponder that. Well, there are some movies that put you in situations that are not real life. And so that makes you think like, what would I do in that scenario? Well, you don't even have to worry about it because you'll never, ever, ever be in that scenario because it's totally made up. Like, what if, what if I ever find myself floating in the middle of space? What would I do in that situation? <laughs> like, you're never going to do that. What if I find myself like visiting, uh, you know, not dead, but in heaven? And like, how would I react? That's never going to happen. That's like, you know... Like you, you could get eaten by a shark, but this is never going to happen. So, <clears throat> this is one of those things. I learned that I'm a extremely racist individual because the whole the whole time I have been conditioned to hate scrolls. Because the whole time I'm like, I don't trust them. Like it's obvious they're obviously the bad guy. They're double crossing her. Like this story, <laughs> this isn't real. They're lying. <laughs> Like, up until the very end, I was like, the scrolls are the bad guys. Like, don't tell me they're the good guys. I couldn't believe it. Like, we walked well, I don't out, think it makes you we, racist. What'd you say? It doesn't make you racist. No, it You've makes been me... reading for 
30 years, of course the Skrulls are the bad guys. Of course. But that's what I meant. Like, I walked out going, wow. Like, I thought up until the end that they were lying. <laughs> I was like, I'm so... <laughs> I have such a bias against this fictitious alien race. <laughs> it, it, it made me laugh a lot. I was like, wow. What does that say about me? Like, I'm not going to give these people a chance. <laughs> So oh, you are so. I maybe I'm just so surfacey, but you are you think very deep. I really that really threw me for a loop. I thought there was a like some good humor in it. I didn't think it was as funny um, as uh, previous movies. I thought that some of the dialogue didn't land all that well. I enjoyed Nick Fury a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I really liked just how it connected to the rest of the Marvel universe more so than anything else. Um, I loved that it had the Tesseract in it. I thought that was amazing. I did not expect mm-hmm. that. Um, I think it fits in really well with Endgame because I could be wrong, but it seems like Captain Marvel's powers are directly derived from the Tesseract. Like, Marvel used the Tesseract to make the, the drive, right? The power for the drive, and then she absorbed all of that. So that makes more sense, like, why she would be a threat to Thanos, right? Right. However, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were also made by using a stone. And because if Thanos has six and Captain Marvel has the power from one, I, I would I just hope that she isn't overpowering. You know, it's not like she comes in there and Captain Marvel saves the day because it really you know, it should be a team effort, you know. Well, have they said that she's the most powerful character in the Marvel universe? In the MCU? Yes. <clears throat> Well, then you're going to be disappointed, sir. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought all that was cool. Um, I loved seeing Coulson again. That was awesome. Uh, It kind of took me by surprise how fast um, Nick Fury got into it, understanding that there were shapeshifters. Um, I I thought it was going to be more of a convincing him, but in the same scene, that's when he saw the scrolls. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't... I didn't understand how politically charged this movie was, like with the feminism and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, but but now listening to reviews and kind of reading up a little bit more about it, apparently it really is. And a lot of the stuff um, that people are saying, oh, they really either they the the, the podcast that I'm listening to and the reviews that I'm reading point out stuff that I did not pick up on as being anti-feminist or feminist either way. Like, I had no idea. Uh, maybe I'm just oblivious. Like, the whole thing was a very much a girl power movie from the time that you, you just, if, if you listen to the songs that they played and everything, those choice those choices. And so I guess I'm torn because on one hand, I really liked at the very end where... Jude Law says, I'm so proud of you. You know, he puts his his weapons away. He's like, I'm so proud of you, but you got to prove to me. And then she just blasts him and she says, well, I don't have to prove anything to you. So on one hand, I'm like, well, that's true. Like nobody has to prove anything to anybody. Now, obviously, this is a very political statement, though, uh, about society. It's about girls don't have anything to prove to guys. So I'm kind of torn because as much as I agree with that, I don't know if I want to go to a Marvel movie and to get those type of messages. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't necessarily go like you have the whole catalog of movies and maybe one or two of them have a, a, a strong political message, like a theme. Um, but I don't know if that's where I want to go to get that. Like this one seemed very out of place. Like, okay, we're going to make sure that the message is loud and clear in this movie instead of telling the story. Did you pick yeah. up, like, was it over much or overly girl so power? To me, no? Well, like, you know, before the movie came out, there was all this about um, some things that Brie had said in some interviews and a lot of the girl power uh, agenda was being pushed before the movie had come out. So I think I went into it thinking that I was going to get a lot of that. But I felt like leaving the movie, I didn't feel like I got a lot of that. The I, the only couple was, um, you know, like the Talos called Maria sweetie or honey or whatever. And she's like, the next time you call me sweetie or honey, I'm going to kick your butt. Something, something along those lines. Yeah, like, see, I, that didn't seemed even, like I didn't even pick up on that. Well, like, it go, just seemed, you know, she just oh. met Talos 30 seconds earlier. I think I would still be like, Holy cow, there's a green guy in my living room and a shapeshifter is out in the yard with my daughter. I right. still would be like that. I wouldn't be like, did you just call me sweetie? Oh, because yeah, I'm yeah. going to let you know. I am a wo- That seemed very weird heavy to hand. me. Yeah. yeah. And then the the songs I thought were heavy-handed, not only with the like playing No Doubts, I'm Just a Girl. You know, you could have played uh, We Need a Hero by uh, Bonnie Tyler. Or, you know, you could play anything. But I think heavy-handed with the 90s songs in general. Like, we get it. It takes place in the 90s. Well, I didn't mind you, that. I didn't mind that at all. It was more the, the everything was to the message of girl power. It wasn't to the message of Captain Marvel, you know? Yeah, well, they kept telling – Jude Law's whole thing was, you know, um, don't get emotional. You know, he kept saying, control your emotions, yeah. control your emotion. I'm like, Jude, I am looking for some emotion from her. I need <laughs> to show emotion. You know, so it didn't, it really felt out of place for me because she's got this stone cold face and he's like, you're getting emotional. She's not. She's not. <laughs> See, and this is, this is where like, I didn't, I didn't realize because maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm stupid, but I, I didn't. Well, I mean, I didn't realize that like that was a girl guy commentary until the very end when I was like, "Oh, no woman has to prove to a guy." I get it. I get. It. So maybe they needed to be heavy handed because I didn't pick up on it. Um, but it's like <laughs> when the biker says, "Oh, do you have a smile for me or anything?" I'm just thinking to myself, "Oh, hey, he's a jerk." Okay, got it. Not like right. he's sexist. Um, or demeaning to women. I mean, he's, he just seems like he's demeaning to everybody. But And so, like, as much as I agree that everybody needs to give everybody respect and be kind to everybody, I just wasn't... When I picked up at, on it at the end, I was like, oh, they're being demeaning the whole time, and that's <laughs> what this movie's about. Now, on somebody could argue and say, yes, this movie was a success because Andy Kirby now has his eyes open and sees that if somebody says that it could be taken as demeaning or it is demeaning. Like people could say, yeah, it, it did its job, which, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Like now I understand like, Oh, when it, at least the perception, when a guy tells a girl to smile or when a guy tells a girl, Oh, you, I'm so proud of you. Like, or you need to prove to me. 
then that can be like, why, you know, that's a gender thing. I didn't realize that, but now I get it. But the question is, the general audience, do they want to see this in a Marvel movie? I mean, is that where you go to have your 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 social conditioning? Or is that where you go to have your social education? Marvel movies? Like, is that the right <laughs> venue? But apparently, I mean, it's making a ton of money and people don't really care about right. that. And people are defending it. So maybe, yes, maybe the general population does like to be um, educated through film. You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, they take... Uh... A lot of people take their cues from the Kardashians. You know, we have we live in this society that is ruled by celebrity, and Instagram, and and all that kind of stuff. So maybe they do. I thought I did. I didn't think it was. I would say for the most part, I didn't feel like I felt like it was a movie that wanted to have an in-your-face feminist agenda, but didn't accomplish it. If oh, that makes okay. sense. So what could they so have I, done a little bit different then? Well, no, like I said, I was expecting to go in there and just be like, men are stupid, women are great, Captain America's dumb, Captain Marvel's great. Like, I, I just expected it to be dripping, and I didn't I didn't feel like it was dripping. It was just a couple instances, but I was like, eh, you know. So I think you can really probably go into the movie and take from it what you wanted. Like, an, an uber feminist would could go in there and be like, this is the movie of our time that speaks to our platform. And someone on the whole other end could be like, look, the, the guys told Captain Marvel what to do. And everybody in the middle could say, it was an okay movie. <laughs> it was a decent film. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's I think that's where I am. I, I gave it a 5 out of 10. I didn't give it the 4.5, but I gave it a 5. Uh, and was just like, Cool. It's not one that uh, like Endgame is not Endgame. As soon as I saw Infinity War, I said, "Jennifer, can we go back to the next showing in an hour?" You know, I just wanted to see it again. I wanted to see. Yeah. I think I saw Avengers um, six times. I think I saw Avengers in the theaters. Holy moly! This this one will just be these two times, and when it's on sale at Walmart, I'll pick it up and add it to my collection. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I I I think it's very interesting that I picked up more on the feminist stuff than you did um and you expected it more so that you know yeah i I didn't understand i didn't expect it and so therefore it kind of stuck out to me a little bit more so i mean that that tells you going into it your presuppositions is going to affect what you get out of it as well absolutely i think your lens that you're going in with is going to change it you also had the lens of i've got my daughters here with me and and i have my parenting hat on and you, you had a couple different things that you are watching it through. And I think people really do see things through the experience or whatever hat they're wearing at the time. And I think that's why this movie has been very divisive in many ways is because it really depends on what you're going into it looking for as opposed to when you go to the movies and you saw, you know, Avatar or you saw Titanic or, or anything that didn't start off with the possibility of having an agenda, you know? I, I think that I was happy that my girls could see that there was a, a female superhero who started out doing the right thing and ended up doing the right thing. Like, she did when you, when you think about Black Widow and when you think about um, Wanda, right? Like, yeah. Black Widow is, is a very gray, dark gray character. And yeah. Wanda started off being a bad guy. And, you know, so, like, it's very nice 
to see, oh, Captain Marvel's a good guy uh, from start to finish doing what she thinks is right, and she has the ability to do it, and she, she stands up for what she believes and can accomplish it. From a parenting perspective of daughters, that's what is most important to me, not the don't let any man tell you you can't do this type of thing. You know, like, <laughs> right. do, you know, do what you believe in and stand up for what's right, regardless of who you're standing up against, is what I liked. Um, we did talk about the feminism thing on the way home. And my daughters, uh, two of them, were like, that movie was amazing. This is awesome. And um, I kind of talked about the controversy that, and after I realized and picked up on it. Um, and I said, the issue is that, I mean, if I can kind of get on my soapbox a little bit here, um, there is an issue where man has undoubtedly tried to rule over women and subject women um, since almost since creation, since the fall. So going back to the book of Genesis, man has tried to do that and subject women because people in general like to be in control and they like to subjugate other people. That's just how it is. That's our right. sinful nature. And so it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. The The problem is, is that p- those people who are physically stronger, for the most part, in general speaking, have subjected the physical weaker. And that has translated over the years to a bunch of men uh, mistreating women. So I said, this is kind of a reaction to that. That is undoubtedly, unequivocally bad and not what we want in society and not what God wants from us. I said, but this here is trying to fix it in a very human-centered way. Instead of us going back and saying, we may have gender roles that God has placed us here on this earth to do. You know, some are man-made and constructed, and I don't put any stock in those, but some are not. And, you know, I put stock in the ones that God has has placed, you know. Call me old-fashioned, call me archaic. I go back to the Bible. That's That's just the way it is. Yeah. But I told my girls, I said, the problem is not women need to rule over men or women need to prove themselves or, or don't need to prove themselves. The problem is that neither side is looking to God and what he has for us. So was it right that men have subjected women? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We should not continue that type of practice uh, of anybody stronger subjecting anybody weaker, uh, how it looks, how they are, you know, and, and the rights of any type of people group um, and you can apply this to the scrolls as well, you know, like whatever metaphor, social metaphor is in there. But when the other group has the strength, do they go back and try to subjugate those people who have wronged them? Or do they go back and say, we need to do what God told us to do in the very beginning? And that's, you know, I know that that's a very controversial statement because it's, First of all, it's going back to God and not everybody believes in God and not everybody cares what he set up or or wants. But it's also like, well, if you just go back to what you're supposed to do, then the whole thing's going to start over. And those people who don't play by the rules are going to try to subjugate those people who do play by the rules. And yeah, that's a very valid argument. But that I was trying to point out to the girls and say, you need to stand up for what you believe in. But you also need you need to be in subjection to God uh, and not to man. Uh, and that and and men need to be in subjection to God and not mistreating anybody they come in contact with, uh, sex, gender, race, creed, uh, whatever. Like we are called to love each other. So it was a very interesting conversation to have with the girls after watching it. You know, I yeah. just felt like it's a very humanistic way to solve the problem. Wow, that 
I wish you were my dad. Like, what a great conversation to have with your kids after a movie. I, you so know, when, I don't know. Hopefully they'll think about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's good. A lot of, uh, like, I can remember, uh, you know, growing up, seeing a movie, whatever, whatever it was about, whatever TV show, whatever. And after it was over, it was just over. And you went about your life. And then when I went to college, all my friends would tell me how, you know, as they were growing up, you know, you would watch something, whether it's rated R or rated G or whatever in between, you watch it with your kids and then you have a discussion about it afterwards, about what it means to you, uh, what it means to the definition of truth and what it means to God. And it just blew me away that that is something that, like, why? That doesn't make any sense. And, oh, it does make sense because you're, as a parent, you're responsible for shaping your child to become a good, godly person. And that conversation that you had in the car with your kids, that is exactly what every parent should be doing, man. That is amazing. That is awesome. I, I commend you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I I hope that they, you know, like, I don't want to take away the enjoyment of the movie, but I want them to compare it to, to what is right. And, you know, they, they still told me, they were like, oh, it was fantastic. I love it when they did this, and she was amazing when she did this. I want my daughters to have awesome superheroes that they can look up to, male and female, that they can like and aspire to those character traits. I thought it was good. And as far as that goes, you know, I like Ms. Marvel. I like Brian Reed's run. Oz Ms. Marvel, and I would love to see that in the theater, but I don't think I would want to take my daughters to to see that movie if she's in her old costume. You know, like <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. It, I mean, it's it, it's 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 not modest. That's basically it. Um, and so, like those aspects of this new version. I didn't like Kelly Sudaconic's run on the book. I didn't really like where she went with it and what she turned the character traits and personality of Carol into. But watching this movie and saying, yeah, my daughters can definitely look at her as a role model. I I was satisfied with that. Uh, The overall movie, again, 4.5. There were some good things, but it was extremely ho-hum. You know, again, the one thing I really liked was that the scrolls were the good guys. That was awesome to me because it went against everything that I had in my <laughs> the, every fiber of my being. <laughs> well, so let's take a little bit of a, a detour and talk about some of the plot points in it okay. with the, with the scrolls. Um, do you think that maybe it was just this certain sect of scrolls that are good, and it's not necessarily all this like just like humans? You know, there's some humans that are good, some humans that are bad, and everything in between, and that maybe the scrolls are like this? Oh, definitely. I think that you can do so much more with it because you have some Kree that are good, some Kree that are bad. I don't I don't want to say that everybody... <clears throat> I mean, if you go to Star Wars, are you going to say that all stormtroopers are bad? Or are they just in an army trying to make a living? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, we got to take over this planet. Um, I said they got to put food on the table, <laughs> you know. Hey, yeah. Uh, did you notice that one of the scrawls is still on Earth? No, I didn't. No. So, so there were f- four scrawls that came to Earth. One was Coulson and died in the car. One was Talos, 
and went back into space with Carol. And the other died in the shed when uh, Jude Law came and shot him. The fourth one that was on the subway escaped, and we never saw him again. Hmm. So what do you think? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I hope that it's picked up in Captain Marvel 2. Do you think that it's one of the Avengers? That would be awesome. That'd be so cool if we're like Hawkeye, you know, turns or... I, I just could, I cannot imagine that they would leave that plot point and not pick up on it at some point in time. That's crazy. I'm going to have to really think about that and like go back over and be like, okay, so where did this person... Good observation. Yeah, I've been taught... Everyone I've talked to has been like, I didn't catch that. Like, I come on, people! <laughs> no, that's pretty amazing. I left the theater and I was doing... I was like, because I, I really... I'm with you. I thought they were going to take the scrolls in one spot and they didn't take them there. So after I left the theater, I just got really thinking about the scrolls that were on Earth and... I messaged my friend Tim and my cousin Matt, my friend Adam. I was like, guys, guys, where, where, where is he? And they were like, you're right. I'm like, well, I know, I know. Another <laughs> I'm burden of being right. <laughs> what did you think about Goose being responsible for Nick Fury losing his eye? I thought that was fun. I thought that was cool. Um, it was kind of like one of those things, like you thought it was this giant thing in this backstory, and it was a flurkin or a cat scratching him. I thought that was funny. What did you think? I I just thought that it lessened his badness, you know? Like, I'm Nick Fury. I was in a tough accident. Something happened. It was really a cat scratched me. <laughs> it just doesn't hold up as much, Well, you know? Yeah, I think Not- that that's probably purposely why they did that because it was such a huge detour from what everybody assumed yeah so what about uh, Ronan what did you think about Ronan I told you what I thought well I thought he looked a ton different without the black paint um, yeah so that kind of he was way less menacing um, I was so jazzed that they had <laughs> the accusers in there I thought that was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, these guys are calling in the accusers. And I I see how they're bad news and how people are scared of them. I thought it was cool that they he had his guy. What was that guy's name? Um, with the swords who was on Jude Law's team? Korath? Is that what he said? Yeah, Korath. I thought that was awesome, having him in the movie. Um, I thought I, I liked all the connective tissue. That was my favorite part of the movie how everything yeah. connects i think the i actually think my favorite scene was probably the mid-credit scene out of the entire movie which that, that's kind of a shame when you think about it because <laughs> that just tells me i'm so excited for Endgame. i watched this just to get there you know yeah as of tonight it's 44 days away <laughs> so by the time this comes out it'll be even closer <laughs> yeah. Um. So, before we wrap up with Captain Marvel, sure. That that intro, that Stanley intro. Were you were your eyes misty at all? I was still trying to get my daughters all set, oh. <laughs> and then like when I 
turned my head to it and I saw what was going on, I I kind of felt like, oh, that's that's fantastic. Like that's that's pretty great, you know. Um, I noticed that they didn't do the ten in the studios. You know what I mean? Oh, like I the Marvel Studios, they didn't highlight the ten. Um, mm. So I wonder if the the movie, the DVD, the digital copy, Blu-ray, do you think it's going to be released with that Stanley opening? Oh, it's gotta. It's gotta. That was, you know, yours was the mid-credit scene. That was the best part of the movie for me. Wow. Is the Stanley wow. intro. It was just, I was, my eyes were wet both times. Like, get it together. The movie hasn't even started. <laughs> you know? Oh man, that was so good. And then his thing from Mallrats, and it was cool because Mallrats came out in '95, and he was practicing his his lines from Mallrats on that train. So that was that just meshed up perfectly. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Now the look that she gave him was completely <laughs> there was expression. <laughs> yeah, it was completely different than the rest of the movie. Do you think they recut that after he passed away? Yeah, I wonder. It it did seem a little off when she looked at him, but exactly. maybe she recognized who he was too. She's like, "I you you uh, had a hand in making my universe." I don't know. Well, I, I'm I'm actually wondering if she recognized that he was, um, like he was a, a, one of the Watchers, you know, spies or people or contacts. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think of that. Because I mean, if she if she saw him, it was like, oh, okay. I'll leave you alone, you know? <laughs> that's a, that that's how I'm gonna view that scene from now on. That's, that's what good. I that's what I took it as. I was like, oh okay, she knows. Interesting. I couldn't tell if it was a nod to the audience if or, or if it was that. Uh there have been twenty one Marvel movies so far. Where thought, would you put Captain Marvel? I thought this was number twenty two. Is that true or no? No. It shouldn't be. <laughs> no. But I mean while you're while you're thinking of your answer, I will look it up. Okay. All right. Where would I put this one? What? <clears throat> yeah, where would you put it? Uh, in the lower twenty-five percent. So, <laughs> in 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 numbers one through five. I mean, like in the lowest five. I think. Okay. Yeah. I I really didn't like Doctor Strange. Um, hmm. So, and I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy two. And Ant-Man and Ant-Man and Wasp were pretty ho-hum for me. So, you know, somewhere around there. Thor 2, obviously. No one likes that one. Yep, there's 21. <laughs> okay. I mean, are you counting There were six. No, that's not MCU. <laughs> I know. It's like counting the X-Men movies with the fake fire. <laughs> I don't do that. Dude, I saw the preview for Dark Phoenix and I was like, are you serious? How many of these are we going to do? <laughs> Like, that was my first thought. I was like, this will fizzle. And then I was like, wait, this is number four. <laughs> like, maybe yeah. this isn't, maybe this isn't fizzling. Uh, I just, uh, Jennifer saw it and she said, didn't they already do that? <laughs> yes, called X-Men 3 and everyone loved yes. it. Yes, babe, they did. They, Jean even had the jacket. They, they already did all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so it was- funny. I was just like, ugh, another one of these. When is this going to end? This can't be good. And I was like, wow, they keep making these. It was interesting in the last scene when the guards have all the X-Men trapped on that train. 
their badges say MCU on them. Do they really? So folks are saying like it was it's showing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe captured the X Men. They've got them now. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> and it came out today again. You know, based on whenever you're listening to the podcast, but. March 20th is the day that the Disney Fox purchase is official. Wow. Wow. So March are going, 20th. Are, are you going to buy the Disney Plus streaming service? If it's affordable, I will. Definitely. It's going to have great – it's going to have new Marvel stuff. They just announced today that they're looking to do an animated What If series. Oh, that'd be cool. Huh. And Kevin Feige is going to oversee it. That that is pretty cool. So, like, would you get rid of Netflix? Um, well, my I have a friend's a Netflix account right now, so, so we you share it. Get rid of your friend's Netflix. <laughs> I'm gonna stop paying my half. What are you? Are you thinking you're gonna get Disney Plus? I well, if Marvel's not making any more shows on Netflix, and I'm gonna have Marvel shows and um. Star Wars shows and the entire catalog of all the Disney and maybe some Fox stuff, then yeah, I mean, I'll switch to that. I don't need Netflix. My brother in law works at Netflix, unfortunately, but you know, my loyalty only goes so deep. Is he the one that ships out the DVDs when people request them? <laughs> he is a mathematician over there. Ah, okay. He's like some, I don't know. He's, he's, I guess, I guess he's a big wig. I have no idea. I don't know. Huh. Well, and the other thing is, with the merger, Disney is going to own, uh, like, 60 to 70% of Hulu. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I don't know, like, how do you decide, or do you just turn Hulu into Disney Plus? <laughs> what? How does that work? Good question. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe with that service, I'll finally get to see, like, Runaways or Cloak and Dagger, or, you know? Because yeah, I, I, mean, I haven't seen any of that. Cloak and Dagger's in Louisiana. It's in your backyard, bro. I know, man. So was this movie. Hey, one thing I will say. Now, I don't know if this makes me a bad person or not. I can't tell. I, who knows anymore? Well, we already know you're a racist. <clears throat> right, exactly. That This may actually seal the deal. Did... <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say... Oh. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to skip it. It's too close. Maybe. Oh. No, I'm going to skip it. All right. We should do uh, the M6P After Hours and talk about all this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now that I'm like thinking about what I was gonna say in my head, maybe that maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm a good person. Um. Well, I know we're gonna talk about something else real quick, but sticking with the movies before we get to that, do you know the uh, the merger is gonna com- be completed next Wednesday? So that would be 38 days until Endgame. Do you think that that is enough time that they would do an after credits? With something alluding to mutants or the Baxter building? Ooh, good question. It is enough time. It is enough time. I don't know if they would do it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a shot of the Baxter building. That makes sense. Uh, Somebody speculated that maybe this Captain Marvel was preparing us for Galactus. I had heard that. And and we still don't know who who purchased Avengers Tower from Tony is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It could be the I Fantastic think that would Four. be perfect. Like, just, you know, we say that we've got the owners of Avengers Tower, and they're renaming it Baxter Building, or um, they make a reference to mutants, or just in the distance you see someone's hand 
and there's three claws that pop out of it, and it just goes to black. I actually don't I think they'll go. I don't think they'll go the mutant route. They may do Fantastic Four, but I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go mutants right away. I just. I think I it's don't know too. I think it's too soon because they got movies coming out. I think they want to let that all die out, stop what they're doing, and then reboot it and fold it in. That's my guess. Or next Wednesday, the big announcement because it's gonna it happens at twelve oh two a.m. That's when it becomes official. And at twelve oh three a.m., a press release goes out and says Dark Phoenix is not being released. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be, that would be fantastic. Simon Kinberg is fired, and he's not. We have a restraining order against him. He's not allowed within any Disney property or facility <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Did you see the movie Split? That had no. um, James McAvoy in it. Mm-mm. It was amazing. You should you should watch it. But Never. he is so good in that movie, and just so bad in these X Men movies. I just don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't. The only thing good about these X Men movies is Magneto. That's it. You don't I, how, think Mystique I, is just amazing? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I think she's awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I don't know the actress that plays her, but I, I think it's terrible. Jennifer Lawrence. She was in Hunger Games. Kind of yeah. a big deal. I didn't see that. I don't. I think she's overrated if you she's a big deal. You didn't see Hunger Games? No. Why would I? It's it kind of a big movie. Yeah, I don't go to movies just because other people like them. <laughs> like, have you seen Split? <laughs> I haven't seen Hunger Games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mock me all you want. Yeah, X-Men, they should have just left it at Days of Future Past. That was a great place to just stop and yeah. just be done. I was so disappointed with Apocalypse. I mean, I saw it over Christmas, and it was just like, oh my goodness, when is this thing going to be over? <laughs> right. Oh, it's terrible. 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 Poor Psylocke. I mean, just don't use her. If you're gonna, if it's going to be <laughs> terrible, don't use, don't use it. Don't and she had the up. Captain Marvel, the Ms. Marvel costume on. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, ah, no, no thanks. I'm fine. You could probably pull off the Ms. Marvel costume with black pants instead of a bikini bottom. Probably. I think so. Yeah, whatever. All right, you ready to go to our second topic? Yes, sir. Okay, so Bleeding Cool has reported that Dan DiDio has told the retailers that DC is cutting back on their comics. Did you read this article? <sighs> yes. Okay, so I, I, I wanted to get like... your take on a couple things here. Like, number one, do you think it's true? Number two, do you agree that they should do this? And number three, do you think that they should do this because of oversaturation in the market and it makes more financial sense because they can sell movies? Or what do you think about this? Uh, I don't like Bleeding Cool. Okay, I just I just want to be on record with that. Like, they're just a, not a great website. Um, <laughs> But other sources have confirmed this because it wasn't just – it was said at a, a meeting, a Comics Pro meeting. Okay. And so there were other people in it, not just some random reporter from Bleeding Cool. But, yeah, I think business-wise it makes sense. Uh, do you need 75 titles a month? H- how many customers can purchase 75 titles a month? How many people want to purchase those bottom-selling 50 titles that you're, you're pumping out? Nobody like you're you're not making your money back on them, and if you are, you're barely making it. You're not paying people what 
you're not paying people for quality writing and quality art. You're paying people to write some story and draw some picture and get a book out on the shelf. Re- retailers don't have space for that many items. The the items that they do, they, so they have to make a fiscal decision when they're ordering three months in advance of what books they're going to put on their limited shelf space. What's going to sell that has to sell because they can't afford to not sell it, have that space being taken up by an item that doesn't sell and have to put it in a bin and try and get 50 cents to a dollar out of it when they spent way more than that on it. I, I agree. I think that, I mean, I would have to see their books, um, not, not their comic books, their, their quick books, their, their accounting books. But, um, it seems like they have a fiduciary responsibility, um, to the shareholders to make the most amount of money as possible. And so if they make, if their margins are higher on the lower number of titles than a uh, higher number of titles by, you know, competing with for uh, better talent and paying them more and selling more of those books, then, um, then they need to do that. Um, I don't know. I don't really understand the idea that retailers are, um, retailers are upset about this and lowering the number count because of so many books on the shelves. And like you said, it's, it's a limited resource. People aren't going to, people aren't going to add this title and then add this title and add this title. They only have so much money. Um, and I think by, if you say, okay, well, I got one Batman book, maybe that's a bad example, but I got one Batman book. I got one Superman book on the shelves. I got this. People are going to be more apt to say, well, I need to get this one instead of, buying yep. the extra, you know, uh, Infinity Warps number two. Right, you know? right. I think you're going to capture more revenue instead of saying, oh, I can't keep up with the Batman titles, so I'll just stick with Marvel and do Infinity Warps. I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, they before doing this, they would have to have a ton of marketing, um, you know, market research and find out from buyers. But I think he needs to come out and say that. I think he needs to say... The research shows that we can sustain our company line a lot better by doing this instead of like, oh, we think that, you know, this is better. Now, I don't know what he said, but I know what was reported, I guess. Well, and I don't know that necessarily just because he didn't give every minute detail that they haven't done that. I think if you just look at, you know, the the sales come out every month, the top five, the top selling comics. So you can see all five to six hundred comics that came out that month, which right there should tell you something. That's way too many. Five hundred comic books a month. Um, you know, DC. Let's say they have a hundred. Marvel has a hundred and ten of those. And then you've still got Image and Valiant and Boom and Dark Horse and everywhere in between. That's way too much product for somebody for for Kamira's comics that Jared and Andy are now running in Chicago to put <laughs> on the wall. It, there's no way that you can do that. But you look at the – all you have to do is – it's just simple economics, I think, is you look at the comic, you see how much you're paying to have it made, and then see how much it's bringing in, and then that determines whether it stays on or not, just like with any any item. I think <clears throat> one of the dangers and one of the the human aspects of it is when you got a, a, a talented – team creative team coming to you and saying like look i got a great story for this c-list character um 
and you have this whole catalog of characters, and you say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that because people don't buy those. You know, we can't play with any of these unless it's a team-up or Batman and featuring this person. You know, like, I think the human aspect of it gets in the way because everybody's like, oh, man, I love this character. Like, can't we just Mm -hmm. add them in? Can't we do... Can't we do this? I think maybe what they need to do is have rotating shorter runs on some of these books, you know? And then try out different characters, have 12 issues of this character, contain story arc, and maybe do seasons, right? Volumes. And have uh, maybe five titles that are rotating and do uh, 6 to 12 year, uh, and And just after you cancel not six to 12 years six to 12 issue and then you run the next character and then you run the next character and then you can come back to it if it was really good and do a sequel or you know maybe if you ran it like that then you could play with more characters and lose less money well that's so those are basically mini series and that's what marvel's doing right now already is they'll put out a book they'll put out shuri for example shuri has her own book Nobody's buying Shuri. It's not making anything, but it's an ongoing book. So by issue 9 or 12, they'll say, this limited series, or it's all done. We told the story about Shuri that we were going to tell you, and it's gone. Are you happy with that or not happy with that? Well, I think the second that Shuri was, just for example, you know, when Shuri was announced, I don't know anyone, including Marvel, that said, you know what? This is going to be one of those titles that you're going to look back on and when Shuri's at issue 250 and go, wow, what a run that has been. I don't think, honestly, anyone said that. What it was is Marvel said, all right, Black Panther's out. Uh, Shuri was a breakout character. Let's uh, get somebody and, and put a you know put this out real quick, as soon as we can, and try and make some, some bank. But no one from the movies went into the comic book store and bought a comic book. So you really just marketed to all the people that weren't really into Shuri before the movie anyways. And no one bought Shuri. So, I mean, do you think that... The, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not following. Do, are you, do you think that it's a good idea to have a rotating and try these different characters and like have some books for that purpose? Or do you say it's just a waste of time and so we need to focus on the ones that just sell? Option B, yeah. Just as a business owner, that's what I would do. You know, yeah, but as a as a business owner, if you just shuttered Marvel completely and then just put all that payroll toward the movies, then you would make way more money. You would have a higher return. So, I mean, why not just do that? Well, I don't think that's really that far off the mark in the first place. You know, what like, what is the incentive for Marvel to continue making comic books? Well, I mean, that's I think it's their market research arm. They try this and say, oh, this storyline seems to be okay. Or, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it could be. But ultimately, if Spider-Man and Captain America and the X-Men are making money, I'm not really going to worry on making Mosaic and Karnak and Quicksilver books. I'm not, why would I do that? You know, when you can take that, that money... And, and that's the other bad thing is because... You have to make up for these titles that don't sell anything. Then you have to scrimp on the titles that do make stuff. So we've got to hire this. Who we don't know who this person is to to draw X Men because we have because we just put out Mosaic and it sold four thousand copies. 
So now we our budget is much smaller, and we'll just save some money by outsourcing this this artist instead of paying somebody like an Adam Kubert or somebody that uh, you know can draw and has some notoriety that will actually bring people to the books. We can't afford them now. So you think what they're doing is is good? What DC is doing by streamlining and maybe just taking, you know, if they let's say they put out how many books do you think they put out a month? How many monthly titles? Yeah, I bet they probably put out sixty to seventy. So I mean, but this is like they're cutting back ten to fifteen percent. So if they put out sixty books, that's cutting back nine books. So that means they're putting out fifty one. I don't think that's a huge dent. I just don't I just don't know how that's gonna really impact retailers. It may impact them a ton, and I just don't understand when you take away nine books from DC, but it seems like those people it I guess it all boils down to are they going to put their money elsewhere or are they going to save it in their pocket and say, oh, uh, good, I got this extra money I can spend on something other than stuff in this store? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, 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 that's, that's a good question. I don't know because you have to say, well, maybe now that they aren't, you know, they wanted to buy Spider-Man and X-Men and Iron Man but they only had enough money to buy Spider-Man and X-Men. But so now that we canceled Spider-Man, now they're going to buy X-Men and Iron Man. You know, maybe it will be a flush. Oh, well, I mean if it is, then you're still getting the same amount of money and your overhead is way less. So it does come out on top. Uh right. I don't know. I have to th- I have to think about this. It's it seems like a very complicated thing. Um Having the little business experience that I do have, um, there could be some unintended consequences. But then also, there are whole marketing firms that do this type of research, anonymous research out there through surveys or, you know, just trend data. And and there's computer programs that, you know, trend this data for you. It may be the best way to keep D.C. competitive, which is what actually both, both groups, both groups of fans should want. You want a, a good, healthy competition between um, Marvel and DC because then they're competing for better creators, and they're competing. They're paying their creators higher. You're going to get better output, uh, better stories, more narrative hooks, not just trash like, "Oh, well, these are the only comics out there on the market, so therefore we don't have to really put a whole lot of time into this. People are going to buy no matter what." Yeah. I think the the market the market is so small. We're talking about books that sell ten thousand copies, fifteen thousand copies. That isn't anything. That's nothing. You know? When the the top book for the whole month is maybe selling a hundred thousand copies. That's that's nothing. That's still pennies. So they're talking about canceling a book that sells, let's say, for rounded numbers, say it sells 10,000 copies. And the retailer, you know, it, it sells for $4 a book. So four times 1,000 is 40,000. Am I right? Yeah. So $40,000. Four, four times, four times 1,000 is 4,000. Yeah. So $40,000 is they have to 
try and make profit off that $40,000. They have to print it. They have to hire a writer. They have to have an artist. They have to market it. They have to ink it. They have to letter it. They have to ship it. They have to store it. All that has to be done for less than forty grand, so that they make a profit. Right. I guess I'm thinking about it the other way. Like, if you were to take away nine titles that each sold a thousand copies, and your top titles sold a hundred thousand, then that's ten percent. You're you're shedding. Okay. All right. That's just one comment. Okay. I guess you're thinking about it the right way. Again, you know, I just, it's tough. It's tough being <laughs> like this. <laughs> no, I, and it's not to say that you're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong, but I understand where, the, and that doesn't even take into account variants. You know, every comic book today has 80 variants. You know, issue 27 has 30 variants. Why? It's not special. They, it just shouldn't even have a, a variant. But then retailers have to order X amount of the you know 150% of of Avengers 12 in order to get the variant for X-Men number 2. So they have to order all these things to get this variant and hope that they can sell it for a higher price that someone wants and then they have all these extra copies. I think it's detrimental to the the industry as a whole to have all these titles, all these variants and expect a retailer to somehow navigate and figure out exactly what every customer wants and also allow for sporadic purchases it's a it's a huge burden that i think a lot of comic book retailers have i think i think you're right it is a huge burden but from the the creator's perspective not the creator but from the publisher's perspective it's like okay well we're we're not interested like you comic book shops, we're not interested in helping the little guy. We're interested in helping the big ones that can thrive and sell our product. You're going to buy more of our product, and so therefore we are interested in what you have, and we're going to incentivize you if you have the buying power. I don't care if mom and pop don't have the buying power. Um, if you want to compete, you shouldn't have gotten into this business unless you could have competed. And I think that's that's the business mindset. Like here at – I don't want to get too – too detailed but here at my work we have a distribution model very similar to uh the local comic shop and we rank um okay well this customer this uh distribution you know i'll just say local comic shop this lcs um is more important because they consume more of our product well what about this little guy who needs a price break well i can't give him a price break because he doesn't buy enough from us so well, you know, you're not helping competition between your local comic shops. And it's like, well, to some point we want competition, but really we just want our product out there on the street. So if you sell 10 and you sell 5 and you go out of business, but now you sell 15, what do I care? It's it's less right. work for me because it's less customers I have to manage. And that's that's exactly how Diamond works, too, in that there are different tiers of discount based on how much you purchase. However, with comics, if there there are more mom and pop shops than there are mile high comics, you know, than DCB service. There's a lot more little little baby tadpoles than there are sharks. So there are maybe, you know, a hundred to two hundred sharks and everybody else is tadpoles. And if if they continue to 
think that way towards the mom and pop, then as more mom and pops close, those other customers are just like, well, there's no comic book shop near me. I'm I'm just not going to get anything. And so that's why their sales continue to go down is because as comic shops, those mom and pop comic shops close, the customers have nowhere else to go and they're not they're just not online purchasers. You know, that's why digital comics have not replaced the paper comics is because people like to pick up and flip through and then purchase. And if there's not that outlet for them to do it, they just they just give up. Hmm. And you ultimately have less product to be able to give out there. Yeah, I really am interested in how this, you know, taking away nine comics, which tend to ten to fifteen percent of the line cutting back how that's going to affect the local comic shop retailers. Uh, I think I might have to do a little bit more research on that. Well, we will do that research and we are going to let DC know. But why would we let let DC know how it's going to affect our comic shop, Chimera (laughs) Comics, in Chicago? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it'd be great if Marvel did some of that stuff too. They just well, see, kinda... and that's that's the thing. Like, if Marvel was doing this, I think I would have a stronger opinion because I'd be like, finally, hopefully, you cut back on these titles because they're just wasting time and shelf space. There's only so much shelf space, retail space, um, you know. And if you carry something that's not going to sell, that does cost the the retailer. Sure. So you know, then you got your back back bin. You have to at least you have to say, well, I have to carry it, even though I'm not going to sell it. That takes up valuable space for something that would sell so i mean i don't know i mean i think it might be a good idea what they're doing well i am just doing a quick search on dc and how many titles they so dc in january put out 105 titles (laughs) i was wrong holy moly goodness so yeah 15 percent of that would be a little bigger hunk than on 60 titles Hmm. All right. Any, any cl- closing remarks on this? Uh, Marvel put out 124. <laughs> Holy moly! Yeah. Now, I mean, maybe maybe it's sending the wrong message to um, retailers. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, saying like, "Oh, we got to be careful because maybe they're going under or something like that." I think that that would be the wrong message. Yeah. I, it's it's tricky. It's. It's tricky. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any, any final words before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I just think next episode we need to do the Tino Awards. You think so, huh? It's been a while. It's I'm getting a lot of nasty letters. Are you? Oh, man. No, I, I haven't. nasty got. letters. There yeah, well, one I mean, it, a... if, if the fans demand it, you know. Yeah. I got one from a J Mayo and a, a Jared M... Man, and a JRM, are... it was really weird. I don't know. <laughs> That's random number theory right there. <laughs> That's what's going on there. All right. Well, this is the M6P. Uh, look us up on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, our website, the M6P.com. Uh, and of course, you can email us at uh, M6PLC at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, and I already said on Facebook. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. I stepped all over your stuff. You're fine. All the instant, all the all the media, 
All the social stuff for you kids is under the M6P. So find us there. But also you can give us a call anytime you want and leave a message and we'll and you can be a part of the next show uh, at 616-755-TINA. We are sponsored by DCBService.com, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, and their sister site, site InStockTrades.com. Also sponsored by Community Retail Partnership. They offer a discount membership service for all of your needs at Office Depot and Office Max for only $39. That's a lifetime membership. You want to take advantage of that. Check them out at CRPSavings.com. Also, Michael Webb Solutions. Dot com for all of your SEO needs. Michael Web Solutions is just great, man. Definitely check them out. And lastly, The Marvelous Box. For $25 a quarter or $90 a year, you get over $100 worth of marvelous, marvelly graphic novels sent right to your front door. Great, great stuff. This month we had some Old Man Logans. We had Infinity Gauntlet in a couple boxes. It was a really good quarter. You, you uh, If you missed... You're a loser, and you need to sign up next time. <laughs> where do they go? Where do they go to sign up? Oh, at themarvelousbox.com. All right. Until next time, we are the M6P. Mm-hmm.